right, here we are. We're at the end of our three-and-a-half-month journey through the Sermon on the Mount. I, wanna, I haven't done this in a while. I want to see just how good your useless trivia knowledge is. Last night I learned that Mark is quite good at this, but he's up there, so he can't play. But um, I have um, three blow pops. So um, if you'd like to have a blow pop to help get you through the service, keep your sugar level up, then do well. Okay? First of all, everybody stand up. Come on. Join me. Stand up. We're going to get loosened up. This is how it works. Come on, George. You can do this. Fire ant bites and all. Okay. So here's how it works. I'm going to read out a statement. If you believe the statement is factually accurate, you will remain standing. But if you believe it's false... You believe I'm making it up, or whoever wrote these cards is making it up, then you sit down. Okay, when you're wrong, you're out. And we'll narrow it down to a couple of maybe one, two, three winners. Okay, got it? Ready for this? Okay, here's the first one Foo foo is an African colloquial term for poodle. If you think that's true, stay standing. If you do not, have a seat. Oh man, y'all are such followers. Are you going to sit? I don't know. Okay, if you're still standing, you're out. Sorry, that's false. Okay, so you're out, you're out. Okay, you have no chance at the blow pop. Okay, here we go. How about this one? Um, All spiders are capable of regrowing legs that they lose. If they lose a leg, spiders are capable of regrowing them. If you think that's true, stand up. And if you don't, stay seated. Stay seated if you think that's false. Stand up if you think it's true. Spiders can regrow legs. Okay, we got some trying to get final decision. Okay, that is also false. Sorry, <laughs> that's false. They cannot. Okay, so if that was you, who's okay? Who's out? We got raise your hand. Proud if you're out. Just be proud about it. Okay, if you're out, you're proud. Okay, good. Here we go. How about this one? Um, the air pump was invented. In 1647, the air pump was invented in 1647. If you think that's a fact, stand up. But if you're not, if you think that's false, then stay seated. Okay. The people who are standing, you guys are still in. You got got it right. Okay, that's fact. So you guys are the ones that are left competing, still in the race for the blow pops. Okay, let me find another good one. Um... Hmm. No, I don't like any of those. <laughs> Deborah Winger, the actress, appeared in Wonder Woman. True. Stand up. False. Sit down. Deborah Winger appeared in Wonder Woman. Okay. Deborah Winger did appear in Wonder Woman, apparently. I didn't see that episode. I noticed Linda Carter, not Deborah Winger then, so... Okay, <laughs> I always loved, never mind, I'm not going to go there. I, I, <laughs> I'm getting ready to go too far, but okay. <laughs> um, how about, um, oh goodness. What's that? No, I, there are some of these I have to edit on the go here. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Okay, a dolphin has been used as an Olympic mascot. If that's true, stand. If that's false, sit. Okay, if it's true, stand. 
that's false. So, okay, if you're standing, then you're out. That's not true. Sorry. Okay, who's left? Stand up if you're left in the game. I mean, how many, how many we got left? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, we got six competing for three blow pops. So do y'all want to just share? No, okay. All right. <laughs> that one's too easy. Um, fiber optic cables are made from glass. Fiber optic cables are made from glass. If that's true, stay standing. If it's false, have a seat. <laughs> okay. That is, in fact, a true statement. Sorry, Heath. Okay, that is, in fact, a true statement. Okay, here, okay, we got to narrow this down because we, so I didn't see you earlier, so now we've got six going. Okay. Oh, he's out? Okay. So we're down to five. Okay. We got one, two, three, four, five, right? Oh, she's still in? You're still in? You're going to be the smartest one in here, but okay. Mel Gibson was born in Australia. True or false? Stand up for true, sit down for false. Okay. That is false. He does have an Australian accent. Are you the only one left in? Did you really win legit? She like legit won this thing? I'm impressed. Come here. Come get your blow pops. Give her a hand. You can share these with whomever you wish or not. Okay. (laughs) She's got eight new best friends in the back. I like it. Yes. What's that? Oh, it does not tell me where he was born. If somebody wants to Google that on their phone and tell me, that'll be fine. But, But he was not born in Australia, so according to the card. He does have an Australian accent. Here. All right. I mean, I mean, if you guys saw the original Jurassic Park came out back in 1993, <laughs> woohoo! Yeah, um, I love that movie. There's a scene in it. There was a scene, in, and I remember I, I loved I loved reading the book and everything. But there was a scene in it when Hammond, Doctor Hammond, who was the older guy who invented the park and everything, brings in the the paleobotanist and the archaeologist and the lawyer and the the Jeff Goldblum's character, who was the mathematician, he brings all these people in because he wants to show them the he wants to show them the park and and get their different points of view on it coming from their different fields, and he's showing them the technology that they use to to be able to clone and recreate these dinosaurs. And this, uh, this whole process, you could just tell the the character played by Jeff Goldblum, the chaos theorist, was really bothered by the whole thing, and he just you could just see that it. it it just was really disturbing him that that mankind had taken an uh, an extinct species and put it back into a 20th century world at that point. And he made this statement, and it stood out to me. Uh, he could just just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And uh, that really stood out to me because as we get ready to look at this last portion of the Sermon on the Mount, this very last segment, Jesus kind of brings us all to a conclusion here. And Jesus is making a very careful point. You see, and I think Goldblum understood this, there's a difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. Having knowledge, having, having knowledge is, uh, is great, but having wisdom is an understanding of how to apply that knowledge to one's life. And understanding how to apply it properly to one's life. And you can start by filling in in your outline today if you want to follow me. And that statement's the very first one on there. Wisdom is not 
knowledge, but it's the application of knowledge to one's life. And today that kind of leads me to ask you the big question that Jesus is asking of everyone that's gathered. You see, you got to get in your head, when Jesus first sat down to, to begin this message on that hillside, I imagine it was a rather small group of his closest disciples. But as he was teaching, it's clear that the crowd was growing. And that there were more people coming to hear what this man was saying. And he was building this following. And so by the time he gets to the end of this message, we don't know how big the crowd was around him, but I imagine it was considerably larger than when he started. And basically what he's saying is he's asking them this question. Are you just knowledgeable of God's word? Or are you going to practice God's word? Are you knowledgeable of God's word or are you going to practice? Are you practicing God's word? And that was a question I think Jesus was asking the people surrounding him through this last passage. And I think it's, it's a question that he's asking each of us today. It's a, it's a question he wants us to be able to answer for ourselves. It's one thing to sit and hear the words of Jesus and to say amen and to agree with it. And to, and to, to look at it and say, wow, that was revolutionary. That was that's the wisdom in that's unbelievable. And that's great knowledge to have. But if you're not applying it to your life, then there's a problem. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this last passage. We're going to jump through it a little bit. So if you will, turn in your Bible to Matthew, Matthew 7. And we're going to look at the very last section, 24 through 29. Over the last three and a half months, we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount. And most of you, many of you in here, have been here for most of the sermons over the summer. Maybe, maybe you've missed a few here and there, but by and large, you've heard what Jesus had to say, just like his followers did in that day. You've heard the words of Jesus. You now have knowledge. You now maybe have some knowledge that you didn't have before. Maybe now you have a little different understanding about some of the things Jesus had to say that you didn't have before. And so today, Jesus is going to ask really this simple question. What are you going to do with what you've just heard? What are you going to do with it? Jesus is telling us that this point brings about a decision for you and for me, those who have heard his word. It's a decision that we have to make. Are we going to take these words of his and build the foundation of our life on them? Or are we not? So today, I want us to simply talk about this in terms of what is your life, what has it been built on up to this point, and what are you going to build your life on as we move forward? What is your life? What has it been built on to this point? What kind of foundation have you built your life on to this point? And where will you go with it from now, from here? Now that you've heard, now that you have no excuse to say, well, I, I didn't understand that, I didn't know that. We've looked at it carefully and we've taken it apart. What are you going to do with it? Matthew 7, 24 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
Here's the first thing I want you to write down today. Faithful obedience builds a foundation of strength. Faithful obedience builds a foundation of strength. I want to walk you through a couple of passages in the New Testament, some other things that Jesus and some of his disciples had to say that point to the importance of obedience. Now, people all the time want to say, you know, if you start expecting people to to obey and do good works, then isn't that a works-based salvation? Aren't you putting some kind of judgmental expectation, some kind of legalistic expectation on people when you start throwing things at them and and saying, look, it's one thing to, to know God's word, but if you're not doing it, what good is it? And Jesus, throughout the New Testament and his other and the other writers of the New Testament, make it so crystal clear. That hearing God's word and knowing it in your head just isn't enough. It's not what we've been called to do. We've been called to obey it. I want to take a look at a couple of those passages. Look with me at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says this, We know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. There's no, there's no gray area here. Either we hear the words of Jesus and we obey them and we follow through them in our life, or we reject them and in the process reject him. Romans 2.13 says this, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. That's interesting wording. I need to pay attention to what it says. We're not righteous. It just says the previous chapter in Romans tells us no one is righteous, not one. We are not righteous, and we could never achieve righteousness on our own. That's already lost for every single one of us. Only as children of God who were covered by the blood of Jesus through faith in him can we be declared by God to be righteous. That faith is shown through our obedience to his word. If we want to be declared righteous, then we've got to be his children. We are known to be his children and to belong to him by our submission to him, our obedience. You see how this works? Look at one more passage with me. John 14, verses 15 through 27. This is a little lengthier passage. This is Jesus on this last night before he was arrested and crucified talking to his disciples. He's, saying some of, he's making some of his most impassioned messages and teaching to his disciples, knowing this is, these are his last moments with them before his crucifixion. He says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. 
Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own words. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love that passage. That's one of the most encouraging promises that we see in all of Scripture. You see, when we build our life on faithful obedience to God's word, we are promised that we will be declared righteous and we will be given that advocate, the Holy Spirit of God. He will teach us when we read his word. He will guide us. He will protect us. He will remind us when we doubt or when we stray. He will give us peace, and we don't have to be afraid. Our foundation is Christ, and our obedience is how we build our life on that foundation. This is what the wise man does, and it is proven in every aspect of his life. You know what? You've heard the words of Jesus, haven't you? You have. You have heard the words of Jesus. And so the question is this, where do you stand? Do you stand in obedience to God's word? I want you to think just for a second with me. I want you to reflect about the implications of living in and walking in obedience to God's word in every area of your life? Are you walking in obedience to God's word in your marriage? Are you walking in obedience to God's word with your family? What about your friendships, your relationships? Are you walking in obedience to God's word in each of those? Are you walking in obedience with your finances and your money? Are you walking in obedience to God's word in your career? Are you walking in obedience to God's word in your social life and and the things you do for entertainment? You see, consider what it means to know that the decision you make in all of these areas of your life are in alignment with God. They're in alignment with God's word and that you're in obedience to God's word. What kind of impact would that have on each of these areas of your life I just mentioned? You see, obedience builds a strong foundation in your life in every way possible. Wise choices. God's strength and promise protection. His Holy Spirit guiding you. Where else can you find such promises? The wise man is the one who hears the words of Jesus 
and puts them into practice. Let's look a couple of verses later in Matthew 7, verse 26. Look at what this says. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. A foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And here's the second point I want us to write down today. Willful disobedience builds a foundation of failure. Willful disobedience builds a foundation of failure. Let's take a look back at all the things Jesus had to say. What I'm going to do is, of all the different sections over the last three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, 7, Jesus just goes down this list of things that he's trying to show us, these different examples that he's trying to show us. This is what the heart of God looks like. This is what God desires of you. This is what God wants you to apply to every area of your life. And so what I want to do is I want to go down this list of different things that Jesus addressed in the Sermon on the Mount. And I just want to pause for a second. I want you to think, am I being obedient in each of these areas? I've heard what Jesus had to say. Now am I applying it? Am I putting it into practice? He opens the Sermon on the Mount. And here's a good summary if you've missed anything. He opens the Sermon on the Mount by talking about having an attitude of of humility and mercy and peace and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and how those attitudes lead to blessings from God. Are you living in obedience with your attitudes? The attitudes you have about humility and peace and about seeking after righteousness in your life. Jesus goes on to talk about how we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world so others can see God in us. Are you being obedient in that? Are you living as salt and light in this world today? Is your presence making a difference for the kingdom of God? Jesus goes on and he talks about the heart of the law of Moses and how everyone knows Murder is wrong. But he goes on to talk about how holding a grudge and living in anger is too. Are you living in obedience to that? Are you holding on to something you need to let go of? He goes on to talk about adultery and how adultery is wrong. And everyone knows that. But you know what? So is lust. So is the desire of the heart that might lead up to adultery. Are you living in obedience to that? Are you guarding your heart? Jesus talks about divorce and how divorce breaks the heart of God because he wants us in all of our relationships to learn how to show grace and mercy and love. And he never wants to see broken relationships. He just doesn't. And I'm not saying that. And Jesus wasn't saying it from a condemning, pointing his finger point of view. He's simply saying, my desire is that every relationship in your life that's broken be reconciled. Are you living in obedience to that? Are you pursuing that in your life right now? Jesus talked about how keeping our promises is a critical way people can come to trust our testimony about the gospel. Are you someone that keeps your promises, that your word is your bond, that people know when you say something? Well, that's the truth. 
Are you living that kind of life? Jesus also talked about how seeking revenge and holding grudges flies in the face of how God treats us. Are you living in obedience to him? Jesus talks about how hating our enemies is easy, but loving them is hard, and it gives us a chance to share the gospel with people we may never have another chance to share it with. Are you living in obedience to the way you approach the attitude you have towards your enemies and those who might hurt you? Jesus talked about how giving to those in need is important. And it's not to be used to to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to God. Is that how you give? Do you have a heart that wants to give? Are you living in obedience? Jesus talked about how prayer is important and powerful as we give God the glory in heaven that he deserves. Are you praying in such a way? that shows just how much you love God and how much you want his kingdom to come here on earth and how much you want to be a part of building his kingdom here on earth. Are you being obedient in your prayer life? Jesus talked about how living a life for eternal treasure instead of temporary treasure is the wisest of all investments. You can work all your life at building a retirement nest egg, but what's going to happen at the end? There's only one treasure you get to keep. Are you being obedient in building that treasure? Jesus talked about how anxiety and worry can be overcome with trusting that God will take care of you and that he loves you. Are you being obedient in your trusting God and letting go of worry and anxiety in your life? Jesus talked about how judging others means that we have a responsibility to hold fellow Christians accountable, but we also should let our love show God's grace and mercy to those who are not believers so his spirit can convict and guide them. Our attitude towards each other is to help each other and to love each other closer to him. Our attitudes to those outside of Christ is to do everything we can to show them Christ's love and mercy and grace. Are you living in obedience to that? God wants to answer our prayers. Jesus talked about this. When we are transformed by his spirit, then we are transformed into praying prayers that are in alignment with his will. Have you been transformed by the spirit of God and are you living in obedience to praying in his will instead of your own? Jesus talks about how obedience to these things And growing to understand the heart of God pulls us off a path that can only lead to destruction and puts us onto a path that guarantees eternal life. You've heard these things. You've heard these words of Jesus that have been preached. The wise man obeys them, and the foolish man does not. Disobedience to these words, listen to this. Disobedience to these words of his leads to failure. And I'm going to be really honest with you for a minute. And I'm going to be honest with myself. When you experience failure in your life, it isn't because God has abandoned you. It's because you've abandoned him. 
Think about the impact in all areas of your life when you're disobedient to the words of God, to the words that Jesus preached. The impact on your family and on your marriage, the impact on your kids and your finances and in your career and in your friendships and other relationships. Don't you know that God wants to bless you and guide you and protect you in all of these areas of your life? So often, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that it is true that our failure ultimately comes back to the decisions we've made. But with that said, there's one more critically important truth that we must learn from Jesus' conclusion. Look at Matthew 7, and I want to look at verses 25 and 27. 25 is his response, his verse, right after saying, the wise man who puts these things into practice. The wise man is the one who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice. He says this, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Then in verse 27, in reference to the foolish man who heard these words of Jesus and did not put them into practice, it says this, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And here's the last point I want to make sure we understand today. Storms that test your foundation are certain. Storms that test your foundation are are certain. There are many things in this life, there are not, I'm sorry, many things in this life that are certain, but there are a few. We all know one, death is certain. We also know that taxes are certain. And we also know that the University of Georgia football team will lose a game they shouldn't, even though we all have high hopes, right? We know there are just a few certain things in life. Sorry, had to be said. But there is one more thing that's certain. Storms in life are certain. Having trouble is certain. Jesus told his disciples in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Many of us know all too well that the storms in life will come. And I want to be careful as we talk about this, to distinguish between what just a moment ago I called failure and what we are calling troubles and storms. Because there is a difference. You see, storms are going to come no matter how good or bad you are, no matter how much faith or lack of faith you have in God, no matter how wise or foolish your choices are, storms in life are going to come to all of us no matter what. We're guaranteed storms and hardships. Failure or strength is determined by how we come out of those storms on the other side. Failure and strength are a reflection of how we dealt with those storms and how we trusted God when they came. You see, my guess is that most of us do a pretty decent job of following many of the words of Jesus when life is good and relatively easy. But what about when the storms come? What kinds of choices do you make when the choices are hard or costly? What kind of obedience do you demonstrate when, when things aren't working out like you planned or when you experience a painful loss? 
Do you continue to be obedient in all of these things and trust in God's guidance and provision? Or, or do you turn to your own desires and your own ways of doing things to try to handle the storms of life? You see, failure isn't when we have problems in our family or in our marriage. Failure is when we don't obey God's plan and how we handle them. Failure isn't when we lose our job or have financial stress. Failure is how we respond when those storms of life do hit. The wise man knows that no matter what storms come along in life, we can trust God and remain obedient to his word. That man builds a life of strength on the foundation of Christ, and he will come out of those storms successful and stronger. But the foolish man encounters storms in life and blames God and decides to take matters into his own hands. He disobeys God and he finds everything in ruins when the storm is over. I think a lot of us could look at our life and see some times when our life was a mess. Maybe, maybe right now is that time for you. You've gone through some storms, and right now, it looks like your life has fallen apart. It's a mess. And I want to challenge you and encourage you at the same time. If you're willing to hear the words of Jesus and to apply them to your life and put them into practice, it doesn't mean the storms won't come, and it doesn't mean there won't be painful when they do. But we have a promise of God and his spirit that we will come out on the other side stronger. We will come out on the other side more focused and more trusting in him than we went into it. And so if you're living a life that feels like it's been one mess after another and one failure after another, I need to ask, are you ready? Are you ready to change that? Are you ready to look at these words of Jesus and begin living in obedience to what he's commanded and called of you? Because I guarantee you, if you do, it will change everything. I want to conclude with these last couple of words in Matthew 7. It says, when Jesus was done saying these things, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And I think that's an important thing to remember. You see, Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with some very powerful words, some very audacious claims. Think about what it means when Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. You know what Jesus is doing right there? He's saying, my words are God's words. He's saying, I represent the Father when I speak. That's audacious. That's bold. The people, when they heard that, they were amazed. Who is this man that speaks as if he speaks for God himself? You know what Jesus was doing? He was taking any chance that any of us could hear these words of his and say, oh, well, that's nice. But Jesus was just another good teacher. Oh, those things are great. But, well, Jesus was just a prophet. Nah. What he's saying is, these things I've said, I'm telling you, and I'm summing it up this way, they're the very words of God. 
and my words are the very words of God. And so either you accept me for who I am and who I claim to be, God's son, and you accept all my words and you accept them and you obey them, or I'm history's biggest liar and I deserve nothing more to be that than to be completely rejected. Jesus, in these words, is making sure that there is no way you can stand in the middle. Either you accept his claim for who he says he is, or you completely reject it. But Jesus wanted to make sure you couldn't stand in the middle of the fence on this one. You gotta choose. You've heard these words of his. And either you accept them for what they are or you reject them. The statement on the screen says either Jesus was everything he claimed and deserves, our full devotion and acceptance, or he was none of these things and he claimed to be and he should be rejected. It's a clear invitation for those who heard him in that day and for us today. Either Jesus is everything he said or he is nothing. We must choose. Either he's the son of God or he's a fraud. Either he needs to be the absolute Lord of your life or be completely rejected by you. And today, the choice is yours. Guys, you've heard the words of Jesus and you gotta choose. I'm either going to live in obedience to these things or I'm going to reject them. I'm either going to build the foundation of my life on his word or I'm going to build it on my own words. You've got to choose. There's no standing in the middle. Either this stuff is true or it isn't. And you've got to decide. I want to say this. We're about to offer an invitation time. And this invitation we offer every Sunday, it's an invitation for you to respond. Maybe it's just where you're standing to think and reflect on what you've just heard. Maybe you need to make a decision of some kind. Maybe you need to come up and talk to me or, or, or one of our prayer partners and begin a conversation that says, what does that mean? What, you know, I know I haven't been living in obedience to him, and I haven't given my life to him. I haven't made him the Lord of my life. How do I do that? Let's begin having that conversation. I know I need to be obedient to him in baptism and walking with him and following him. I know... I know that I need a church family to hold me accountable. How can I make this my church family? Maybe you just need prayer. But it's a chance for you to respond to what you've heard. And I say all that because I think, and I know, I'm not going to say I think, I know there are some in this room who've been toying with the idea of, is it time for me to finally give myself completely to him? Maybe you've never been obedient to him in baptism. Maybe you're not even really sure what role baptism plays in all this, and you'd like to learn a little bit more about that. And that's why next Sunday, we're going to follow up this series, and I'm going to call next Sunday Baptism Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be Baptism Sunday, and here's what I want to do is I'm going to preach a message on baptism. And we're going to explore baptism and, and what it means and what it's for and, and how it fits into our salvation and our relationship with God and our obedience and submission to him. We're going to talk about baptism, and, and we're not going to talk opinions, and we're not going to talk about traditions. We're going to look at God's word, and we're going to talk about it straight from his word. 
And it's an opportunity, if you've been on the fence about baptism, if you've been on the fence about giving your life to him and submitting to him, and it's been something you've been thinking about, next Sunday is a Sunday you need to be here. I know it's a holiday weekend, but you don't have anything better to do. Be here. Be here. I'm going to have the baptistry ready and warm. I'm going to have the curtain down. And we're going to end our service. And if somebody in this room, or if ten buddies in this room, need to get up and go into that water and come out a new creation. That's what we need to do. Let's make that happen next week. If this is something you've been toying around with and you've been messing with and, and you just haven't quite pulled the trigger on it, let's make next week that week. If you wanted to call me this week, if you want to talk to me about that before we get to next Sunday, great, I'm available. Let me know. I'd love to have that conversation with you. The next Sunday, Baptism Sunday. And then we're going to launch into our new series after that on the 13th. God's at war. I'm excited about that. But right now, we're going to have our invitation. Chance for you to respond to what you've heard. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for our worship, our, our opportunity to come together as a church family and, and to honor you and to bring you to glory the best we can. God, and I pray that we have. I pray that we've given you a, a, a spirit of worship to come around your throne and to say, God, we love you so much that we'll even come out in the rain and enjoy it and enjoy being in worship together. God, I pray that, uh, I pray that we can just uh, take the words that we've heard that Jesus spoke, not just today, but over the last few months as we've looked at the entire Sermon on the Mount and say, God, how can we begin to apply these to every area of our life and to be transformed by your Spirit and to align our will with yours and to walk as your children as we are salt and light in this world, to be the living presence of your gospel in this community. God, I pray that you'll move us in that way. And God, if there's anyone in here today that needs to make a decision, whether it's for baptism or joining the church or uh, just seeking out what it means to put you on the throne of their life, God, I pray they won't leave until they've dealt with that. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.